Chapter 10, Deliverance of Navokuvera and Manigriva The story of the cursing of Navokuvera and Manigriva and their deliverance by Krishna under the all-blissful desire of the great sage Narada is here described. The two great demigods, Navokuvera and Manigriva, were the sons of the treasurer of the demigods, Kuvera, who was a great devotee of Lord Shiva. By the grace of Lord Shiva, Kuvera's material opulences had no limit. As a rich man's sons often become addicted to wine and women, so these two sons of Kuvera were also addicted to wine and sex. Once these two demigods, desiring to enjoy, entered the garden of Lord Shiva in the province of Kailas on the banks of the Mandakini Ganges. There they drank much, and engaged in hearing the sweet singing of beautiful women who accompanied them in the garden of fragrant flowers. In an intoxicated condition, they both entered the water of the Ganges, which was full with lotus flowers, and there they began to enjoy the company of the young girls, exactly as a male elephant enjoys the female elephants within the water. While they were thus enjoying themselves in the water, all of a sudden Narada, the great sage, happened to pass that way. He could understand that the demigods, Nalukovera and Manigriva, were too intoxicated and could not even see that he was passing. The young girls, however, were not so intoxicated as the demigods, and they at once became ashamed at being naked before the great sage Narada. They began to cover themselves with all haste. The two demigods' sons of Kuvera were so intoxicated that they could not appreciate the presence of the sage Narada, and therefore did not cover their bodies. On seeing the two demigods so degraded by intoxication, Narada desired their welfare, and therefore he exhibited his causeless mercy upon them by cursing them. Because the great sage was compassionate upon them, he wanted to finish their false enjoyment of intoxication and association with young girls, and wanted them to see Lord Krishna eye to eye. He conceived of cursing them, as follows. He said, The attraction for material enjoyment is due to an increase in the mode of passion. A person in the material world, when favored by material opulence of riches, generally becomes addicted to three things, intoxication, sex, and gambling. Materially opulent men, being puffed up with the accumulation of wealth, also become so merciless that they indulge in killing animals by opening slaughterhouses, and they think that they themselves will never die. Such foolish persons, forgetting the laws of nature, become over-infatuated with the body. They forget that the material body, even though very much advanced in civilization, up to the position of the demigods, will finally be burnt to ashes. And while one is living, whatever the external condition of the body may be, within... There is only stool, urine, and various kinds of worms. Thus, being engaged in jealousy and violence to other bodies, materialists cannot understand the ultimate goal of life, and without knowing this goal of life, they generally glide down to a hellish condition. In their next birth, such foolish persons commit all kinds of sinful activities on account of this temporary body, and they are even unable to consider whether this body actually belongs to them. Generally, it is said that the body belongs to the persons who feed the body. One might therefore consider whether this body belongs to one personally 
or to the master to whom one renders service. The master of slaves claims full right to the body of the slaves because the master feeds the slaves. It may be questioned, then, whether the body belongs to the father, who is the seed-giving master of this body, or to the mother, who develops the child's body from within her womb. Foolish persons are engaged in committing all sorts of sins due to the misconception of identifying the material body with the self. But one should be intelligent enough to understand to whom this body belongs. A foolish person indulges in killing other animals to maintain the body, but he does not consider whether this body belongs to him or to his father or mother or grandfather. Sometimes a grandfather or a father gives his daughter in charity to a person with a view of getting back the daughter's child as a son. The body may also belong to a stronger man who forces it to work for him. Sometimes the slave's body is sold to the master on the basis that that body will belong to the master. And at the end of life, the body belongs to the fire because the body is given to the fire and burned to ashes or the body is thrown into the street to be eaten by dogs and vultures. Before committing all kinds of sins to maintain the body, one should understand to whom the body belongs. Ultimately, it is concluded that the body is a product of material nature, and at the end it merges into material nature. Therefore, the conclusion should be that the body belongs to material nature. One should not wrongly think that the body belongs to him. To maintain a false possession, why should one indulge in killing? Why should one kill innocent animals to maintain the body? When a man is infatuated with false prestige of opulence, he does not care for any moral instruction, but indulges in wine, women, and animal killing. In such circumstances, a poverty-stricken man is often better situated because a poor man thinks of himself in relation to other bodies. A poor man often does not wish to inflict injuries to other bodies because he can understand more readily that when he himself is injured, he feels pain. As such, the great sage Narada considered that because the demigods, Nalakuvara and Manigriva, were so infatuated by false prestige, they should be put into a condition of life devoid of opulence. A person who has a pinprick in his body does not wish others to be pricked by pins. A considerate man in the life of poverty does not wish others to be also put into that condition. Generally, it is seen that one who has risen from a poverty-stricken life and becomes wealthy creates some charitable institution at the end of his life so that other poverty-stricken men might be benefited. In short, a compassionate poor man may consider others' pains and pleasures with empathy. A poor man may be seldom puffed up with false pride, and he may be freed from all kinds of infatuation. He may remain satisfied by whatever he gets for his maintenance by the grace of the Lord. To remain in the poverty-stricken condition is a kind of austerity, According to Vedic culture, therefore, the Brahmins, as a matter of routine, keep themselves in a poverty-stricken condition to save themselves from the false prestige of material opulence. False prestige due to advancement of material prosperity is a great impediment for spiritual emancipation.
A poverty-stricken man cannot become unnaturally fat by eating more and more. And on account of not being able to eat more than he requires, his senses are not very turbulent. When the senses are not very turbulent, he cannot become violent. Another advantage of poverty is that a saintly person can easily enter a poor man's house, and thus the poor man can take advantage of the saintly person's association. A very opulent man does not allow anyone to enter his home. Therefore, the saintly person cannot enter. According to the Vedic system, a saintly person takes the position of a mendicant, so that on the plea of begging something from the householders, he can enter any house. The householder, who has usually forgotten everything about spiritual advancement because he is busy maintaining family affairs, can be benefited by the association of a saintly person. There is a great chance for the poor man to become liberated through association with a saint. Of what use are persons who are puffed up with material opulence and prestige if they are bereft of the association of saintly persons and devotees of the Supreme Personality of Godhead? The great sage Narada, therefore, thought that it was his duty to put those demigods into a condition where they could not be falsely proud of their material opulence and prestige. Narada was compassionate and wanted to save them from their fallen life. They were in the mode of darkness, and being therefore unable to control their senses, they were addicted to sex life. It was the duty of a saintly person like Narada to save them from their abominable condition. In animal life, the animal has no sense to understand that he is naked. But Kuvera was a great treasurer of the demigods, a very responsible man, and Nalakuvera and Manigriva were two of his sons. And yet they became so animalistic and irresponsible that they could not understand, due to intoxication, that they were naked. To cover the lower part of the body is a principle of human civilization, and when men or women forget this principle, they become degraded. Narda, therefore, thought that the best punishment for them was to make them immovable living entities, or trees. Trees are, by nature's laws, immovable. Although trees are covered by the mode of ignorance, they cannot do harm. The great sage Narada thought it fitting that, although the brothers by his mercy would be punished to become trees, they continued to keep their memory to be able to know why they were being punished. After changing the body, a living entity generally forgets his previous life. But in special cases, by the grace of the Lord, as with Nalakuvera and Manigriva, one can remember. Sage Narada, therefore, contemplated that the two demigods should remain for one hundred years, in the time of the demigods, in the form of trees, and after that they would be fortunate enough to see the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face by His causeless mercy and thus they would again be promoted to the life of the demigods and great devotees of the Lord. After this, the great sage Narada returned to his own abode, known as Narayan Ashram, and the two demigods turned into trees, known as the twin Arjuna trees. The two demigods were favored by the causeless mercy of Narada, and given a chance to grow in Nanda's courtyard and see Lord Krishna face to face.